Hi, I'm Nicole Davidson, and this is the Negotiation in Real Life podcast, the show where we take the lessons learned in real life negotiations to help you build your negotiation toolkit. We'll be hearing from lawyers, entrepreneurs, and senior business people about their best and worst negotiations. Negotiation is one of the most important skills for success in business and in life, but it's a skill we are rarely taught. For many of us, we develop our skills purely through trial and error. We see what works, discard what doesn't, and if we're lucky, we'll have a few good mentors along the way. In this podcast, we're going to give you access to an even greater range of negotiation mentors. Enjoy this episode and please reach out if you have any questions. Welcome back to the Negotiation in Real Life podcast. In this episode, I speak with Justin Wheeling, the owner of LVH Consulting and a specialist in partner recruitment for law firms. He's been a leading journalist, consultant, and also a forceful advocate for legal practitioners on issues that directly affect the legal community and the people within it, those that give law firms their soul. As a consultant, Justin has been a leading advisor to law firms for many years. He has won and led multiple mandates around Australian market entry, communication strategy, senior partner search and law firm mergers. He is a sought after speaker at industry events and has been a regular opinion writer in The Australian and The Australian Financial Review. In this episode, we discuss the importance of understanding promotion criteria and the need for getting persistent in getting that information. We speak about aligning the interests of both parties when you're facilitating the negotiations of others, how to build strong relationships through sharing information, tips for lawyers seeking partnership, and much, much more. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode. So welcome to Negotiation in Real Life, Justin. It's lovely to have you here today. It's lovely to be here too, Nicole. So, Justin, I know you do some pretty important negotiations with particularly legal partners looking to join new practices, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of lawyers on the podcast listening and looking for some tips in that space. But before we get into that, do you want to just give people a bit of a background as to who you are, what you do? Yeah, sure. So um, my background, um, Nicole, is actually in journalism. So I guess that's 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 my trade for for want of a better term. And um, as a journo, um, I first got exposed to the legal profession, particularly the law firms sector, as a, a young journalist almost twenty years ago with the old Asian Legal Business Magazine. First and foremost, um, not knowing much about the law and the structure of law firms, I found the whole area fascinating, just in terms of the hierarchical model, the partner remuneration model, the the global law firms coming into Australia and their national firms and just the stuff that lawyers deal with on a day-to-day basis and the pressure they're under. After leaving ALB and, and working in a few other places, I was at Lawyers Weekly from about 2010 to 2014 uh, as the deputy editor and then the editor of Lawyers Weekly. And uh, that was great fun. Um, at a time of so much change in the legal profession, couldn't have picked a better time to be a legal journalist. And, and I was well aware that I was um, getting exposed to talking to some senior leaders of the profession I felt I had a really good knowledge after that time um, of the law firm sector in particular. And um, I then went into the consultancy side uh, in 2015 with a company called Eaton Capital Partners. uh, And I became a partner there after a year or so and then uh, left at the end of 2019 after five years. And and at um, at ECP, we helped 
global law firms come into Australia, we did a lot of sector and practice analysis for, for domestic and global and boutique law firms. We used to run surveys, managing partner surveys, and work with the Australian newspaper and the Financial Review with regards to opinion pieces and, and some of the data that they used to generate. And we did a lot of partner search work as well. And then decided at the end of 2019 that I think I can do this in a way which is a little bit better and suits my values a little bit more. And so launched my own practice uh, in the latter half of, uh, of 2020, LVH Consulting. And, and that's what I've been doing for the past couple of years. Um, but it's fair to say over the past couple of years, is, um, it's been a little bit disrupted, Nicole. So <laughs> I've, I've, probably, I've spent probably more time um, homeschooling and, uh, and making school lunches and, uh, and, uh, and doing the washing with, um, with my three daughters than, than concentrating <laughs> on full-time work. But thankfully, we now have a I think we can say it now, can't we? A new normal. Um, oh, let, let's be careful, normal. but hopefully, hopefully. Fingers crossed. We're we're, we're living with COVID, and and um and pretty much since July this year, I've been back on the tools full time, um, advising law firms on strategy, doing a lot of written analysis, doing some partner search work. So so that's what I do at LBH. Fantastic, and what a great and interesting background. And and I suspect, and this might come out as we chat, but I suspect that journalism background probably helps in the negotiation context as well. So I'll be interested to see where that comes out as we're chatting. Absolutely. So look, obviously, you know, one of the things that you do is is help lawyers move into partnership roles, whether they're in a partnership already or whether they're a senior associate. One of the things that often comes up, I guess, is People or lawyers often have to move firms to step into that partnership role. In your experience, do you think that that's because they haven't been able to negotiate effectively in their own firm, at least some of the time? I mean, obviously, some firms just aren't looking to grow. But do you think that senior associates having better conversations internally and negotiating more appropriately would help them progress within their own firms rather than having to move on or is that not a big problem in the industry oh it's it it is an issue with the industry um one of the um i think the areas where the law firm model across the board could be a lot stronger with the caveat of course that there are exceptions to the rule is the transparency with regards to what do i need to do to make partner um quite often for senior associates and special counsel where that is important to them with regards to their career trajectory. Um, there is a lack of knowledge of exactly the sorts of parameters and what that time frame will be with regards to, well, how can I give myself the best chance to be promoted to a partnership position? And what steps do I need to take? And what do I have to do in what time frame to get there? Um, so from a senior associate and a special counsel perspective, you just need to speak to the relevant partners in your area about, this is what I need to do. How can you help me? What is the time frame? And is it realistic? Um, law firms should be able to provide that information to their lawyers um, to keep them motivated, to just provide a, a fair career progression path to their lawyers. Um, and I encourage all senior associates and special counsels who do want to achieve the position of partnership to speak to their managers and to the relevant partners to ascertain exactly that information so they feel that they can progress their career and become a partner. Sometimes you have to be a bit pushy to get that information out of them, don't you? I would say, you know, to, to get on the front foot sometimes. Um, I've seen with some of my law firm clients, they're, you know, they're, they're very good in terms of, you know, having dedicated partnership track discussions and policies and, 
and you know liaising with HR as well and the support services with the relevant partners, fantastic. But not all orphans do that. And so if you ever feel at any stage, you know what, I'm pretty good. I think I can be a partner and be a successful partner, but I'm just unsure of the specific process with regards to how to do it. Start those conversations and, and you know, what law firm wouldn't want their staff wanting to uh, achieve senior positions. It's good for the firm as a whole too. So if you're a manager and you have one of your staff wanting to have that conversation with you, I, I think that's a, a credit to your organisation and a credit to that person as well. Well, let's talk then about the negotiations that you get involved in, because obviously your role is as a middleman um, in the negotiations yes, between prospective partner <laughs> and prospective firm that they're joining. What are some of the challenges that you face as you're assisting in these negotiations? Yeah, it's it's making sure that that the interests and the priorities of my client are aligned with the goals and the career aspirations of the candidate from a from, from the partner search perspective I do. So um, I find that the best thing I can do is to make sure that I'm only introducing candidates to my clients who are absolutely suitable and fit. And I would say, you know, hopefully perfect for the role. There is nothing worse than providing your client with someone who is not seen as suitable for the role if you're working in a recruitment-based industry. And, and it's only the partner search work that, that I really do um, and so if I have a client who says, we're looking for this type of workplace partner uh, in Perth, um, you better make sure that you know the brief fully. You know, are they looking for a safety specialist or an IR specialist, someone with an advisory background or a contentious background? You need to make sure you've nailed the brief before you go to market and speak to potential candidates. So the most important thing is just being across your brief, knowing your client well, knowing that when you speak to candidates, um, you can give them a very quick and full guide in that initial conversation um, to make sure that those interests are aligned. And then you can go back to the, to the law firm client concern and say, you know what, I've got two or three people here that I think are worth talking to in terms of the brief you provide, you've provided me. So investing the time in actually understanding your client in this case, and, and I guess it is important in a, in a recruitment sense, because I remember going into a recruitment role many years ago where I thought I'd be helping the employees. And of course, really the client is the employer, um, but you have to understand. So even that statement you made, you know, is the, is the employment law an IR or is it safety? So you've really got to spend the time getting to know who you're recruiting for so that you understand how they divide up their practice to be that specific. Yeah, very much so, Nicole. And, and this is where my, my journalism background has helped me a great deal. Um, I find that I still employ the same principles and values as a journalist as I do as a consultant. Know your stuff, be well researched, treat contacts and clients with great care confidentiality is paramount, yeah. um, trust your sources, make sure that whenever you speak to say a potential candidate, you're telling them something that they don't already know and they're gaining knowledge as part of the negotiation process. When you're talking to the clients, you're giving them an idea of the market, what the sentiment is like, how they're viewed in the market in that, in that area, what some of that feedback is. So you've got to make sure that you prioritise information. There's nothing worse yeah. in, from my perspective than trying to be showy and flashy and and try to try to, to, to slide it. No, you're talking to lawyers. Uh, they're across detail. Their clients expect them to be across detail in terms of the work they do. And so as a consultant, you have to employ those principles of knowledge and care yeah. when you go about your work. 
Well, I love it. And I think when you said earlier about your background in journalism, the thing that sprang to my mind is I always say that one of the most important things in a good negotiator is a mindset of curiosity and the ability to ask great questions. And I suspect that with a journalistic background, you've been taught how to dig for that information that people might not always present instantaneously. I'm wondering if you've perhaps got an example of where you've been able to use that to to turn around a negotiation. That's a good question, um, Nicole. I can remember working for a global law firm a few years ago where they they were looking to give their corporate practice in, in Sydney in particular uh, t- to strengthen it. They were seen as a little bit underweight compared to, to their global expertise in, in that area. And I introduced a candidate. I knew the candidate was perfect for the role. <laughs> like, he had the client mix and the skills and the, and the cultural fit that meant he would get on with the partners that were already there. He had good international experience, but he flew underneath the radar. And I really had to, to sell that candidate um, uh, to the client and, and say, look, I think this guy is worth a shot have a look at what he's done, have a look at how he conducts himself. The meetings you've had thus far, they've all been positive. I think he is, in my opinion, the best candidate we've introduced so far. And if I was in your shoes, he would be the one I would go for. And in the end, he took the role. Um, he was hired. Uh, he's still there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Excellent. He's been a great fit. He's risen to management position uh, at his current firm. And I just knew that because I knew the client really well and the candidate really well, even when my uh, client was saying, I'm not sure about this. I felt confident enough to say, no, given what we know and the other people we've spoken about, I actually think this person is the best person mm-hmm. for this role. And, and they listened to me, you know, which was important. So I find it in a negotiation sense, it all comes down to your reputation, the relationship you have with the client and knowledge. You know, if you can make them stop and listen, then you're more than halfway there through the door. Yeah. And look, I love what you said earlier also about building those relationships through giving information. You talked about for the firms, giving them market information, giving them things that are going to be valuable and and for the clients, giving them information about the firms and other things. What sort of ways do you find to reach out to people and provide that sort of valuable information when they might not be an existing client or um, some that you're dealing with, but they are somebody who you would like to be negotiating with in the future. Yeah, sure. That, again, that's a really good question, <laughs> Nicole. And going back on to, to something you said before about, about being a journalist and being curious, I find that the, the most important asset in terms of what I do is being a good listener. Got to be a good listener. Don't talk over the top of people. Make sure you're hearing what other people have to say. And then if you can then recall that at, at later meetings, then it also shows to that person or the client concern that's um you're taking the time not just to meet with them, but also to understand them as well. So, yeah. so I would say that's, that's, you know, the key one quality that you have to have to, to, to do what I do. Um, in terms of that question you just asked, uh, Nicole, um, if there's a, a law firm that I don't do work for and they're a, they're a cracking firm and I want to do work for them, what you need to do is to work out which form of communication you think might cut best to that, to that law firm if you want to gain them as a client and what you think might resonate with the people you're reaching out to. So when they read that email, they think straight away, oh, he knows a bit about us already. This is his background. Maybe he's worth talking to. So it's got to be pointed. Um, I don't I don't cold call for roles. I don't send form emails when I'm trying to, yeah. to, to, to gain new work. It's got to be nuanced. You've got to do your research. Um, you've got to make sure that you show that you know a bit about them and you know quite a lot about the market 
and why for these really, really busy people, it might be worth their time seeing me for half an hour or 45 minutes with regards to the consulting services I do. So, so I find in terms of trying to gain clients, just making sure if you send an email in the first instance, it's pointed. And also don't be afraid to talk about your achievements. You know, senior law firm figures would get consultants like me asking for a bit of their time to maybe do work pretty regularly. Um, so don't be afraid to say, well, I've done this in the past. You know, I, I, I think I am worth talking to. Um, <laughs> and and I, can, I, I can point to A, B, C, D, E. And so um, don't be afraid to, I don't like to use the word sell yourself, but don't be afraid to, to point to your achievements and to directly link your message to your capabilities and your yeah. reputation and your track record. Yeah, no, look, I love that again, because, you know, what you've got there is actually a negotiation to get in front of somebody. So it's almost the preliminary negotiation that you have to have to even get um, half an hour of their time. And, and what you've talked about there is, use, you know, in, in negotiation speak, it's use some standards as to why it would be a good way of doing it. And that's all of that experience and track record that you've talked about. And it's so important to give somebody a reason why they should do something. And, and interesting you say that because I've just been busy approaching a number of commercial litigators around having an introductory call. And, and it's exactly that. What can I put in there that means that there's some reason that they're going to perk their interest up and go, oh, actually, she is worth having a coffee for. So yes. we're on the same page there. Yes. I might sort of move pace a little bit because not only are you doing these negotiations to get partners into law firms, but you're running a small business. And I think we can both um, agree that there's a lot of negotiations that are involved in running a small business. What's been your biggest negotiation lesson in negotiating on your own behalf as a business owner? I find that when it comes to commercial terms, make sure that every I is dotted and every, and every T is crossed, particularly when your clients are law firms. Um, they're just used to making sure the information they send out is just watertight. And so anything you send out has to be the same. So there can't be any vagaries when it comes to the terms and conditions and the commercial parameters. Be as specific as you can is, I, I find, is the, is the best advice I can give to, to anyone working with law firms. And, and dare I ask, and feel free to say no to this, have you got an example of where that didn't work? It sounds like <laughs> you're going to ask that, one. Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do have examples. <laughs> Sometimes much to, much to my chagrin. <laughs> and I've learned a lot uh, along the and, way. And look, I, I think this is the thing, isn't it? I, we learn much more from the mistakes that we make along the way. Oh, you, you, you do, and, and, and I've made a couple. Maybe yeah, and, and yeah. this is this is part of my reason for this whole podcast is because it's much better to learn from other people's mistakes than to have to go through it yourself. So yes, all right. So well, I think our listeners will benefit greatly from hearing of of how you've learned because it sounds like there's a great story there. I'll uh, see what can we learn from Justin's mistake. When it, when it comes to um ensuring that you have uh, transparent uh, partners search terms, Nicole, um, I would point to an example where you really need to make sure there is a clear definition of a team or a group lift out. Uh, I've had an example in the past where I learned so much where I helped a global law firm shortly after the launch of the Australian practice to then triple their partner numbers <laughs> yep. across, across a couple of offices. So there was a lot of partners who were, were brought across from many different firms as part of this um, over you know a period of of, uh, of a year or so. And so I understood that teams meant people just from one firm. 
And so because there were many multiple firms, when it came time to send the invoice through, I said, here we go, here we go, here we go from the different firms. And, and, and here is the fee. And they said, no, 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 this is a, a group lift out capped at X. And I said, but they come, but a group, you know, denotes that they're all together at the one place at the one time from the one firm. This is multiple firms that said, no, no, no. If you read, you know, clause 8C, you know, <laughs> you know, dot point, you know, three, you know, AC, you know, clause clause X, you will see that teams, you know, relates to, you know, a group of partners negotiating, you know, at the same time, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and of course, they're lawyers. They, they were right. <laughs> so um, so um, we had a decision to make. Okay, you've done some pretty good work here. There's going to be more work with regards to this law firm because they're not stopping here. Um, how do you want to play this? Do you want to fight this? Knowing that you could ruin the relationship. Even though I felt morally, I, th- I, th- I thought we were right. <laughs> um, um, legally, they were probably right. So what do you do? And so I had that internal discussion with myself and said, you're not going to win this fight, Justin. You're not going to win this fight. You should have taken the time to absolutely understand the parameters of what you know a group lift out might be. And if you didn't understand anything from the term that, that they sent through, then you should have raised it at the time. It's too late now. So so uh, Such a hard one, though, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, if I hear that story, I go a team lift out to me as plain language yes. uh, would mean picking a team up, at picking an existing team, picking them up and moving them across. Whereas they seem to be saying, well, a team lift out is lifting a whole bunch of people and putting them into a team. That would Correct, be a yeah. team drop in, not a team <laughs> lift out. So, fair, 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 fair point, Nicole. Um, and so... We accepted their take on what constituted a, a group or a team lift out and the relationship remained solid uh, and then we kept doing work for them afterwards. Yeah. So it and was look, the right This is the challenge, take, isn't it? It's and, and look, I wonder too, you know, and this this comes to me with my sort of mediation dispute resolution hat on there. And, and I'm sure you could have gone to a lawyer and got a very different opinion and they would have said, no, 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 we can argue this differently and you're in the right to charge the whole thing. But it was an opportunity, I guess, to sit the parties down and go, well, let's figure this out because maybe there's some compromise that could have been reached in the middle. Correct, Nicole. And and the, the lesson I've taken away from that is never leave anything unsaid. Um, if you're signing commercial agreements, um, make sure that you're across the detail and there's nothing in there that you're unsure about. So, mm. and, and since then, um, I've had direct negotiations with, with, with my law firm clients. Oh, this is unclear. And and is this what you mean about this? And what I've found is actually the law firms are okay with that. Um, yeah. The fact that you're asking those questions shows that you want to be across the detail too. So um, sometimes you think, am I offending them? Um, uh, you know, what you know, what, what would their reaction be if you ask those questions? I found the exact opposite, that if you're talking about detail and making sure that both parties know exactly what you mean, then, then the law firm concern only sees that as a good thing absolutely that you know because it says to them this consultant as well he wants to make sure that uh, he's across the detail too um and we can see that you know he wants to do things properly as well so it's, it's only been a good thing in my experience to, yeah. to make sure that you ask those questions yeah look absolutely and i think even where you think you know what it means checking whether they think it means the same thing as you've seen is is you know and i think that's one of the problems that people come up with often is they go i don't need to check this because i completely know what a team lift out means yes but i think you've actually got to force yourself to think could this be interpreted as something other than what i think about because that's where the trouble lies Correct. Yeah, the correct. obvious, the obvious unclarities are sort of easy to deal with. It's the ones where it's like, no, it's it's hundred percent. This is what it means. Yes. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Bit so, of a challenge. So that's the 
the, the best advice I can give to to anyone who's 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 working for themselves or or um, is in a senior position with a with with a small small firm where you know you are looking to, to sign contracts and, and agree terms is just make sure that number one you're comfortable with your terms that you send through and number two if you're looking to sign another party's or a new client's terms that that nothing is unsure and there's no confusion about about what their terms mean and the implications for yourself um, if you do indeed fulfill the brief and, and do a deal much better to spend that time up front than have a dispute down the track isn't it agreed yeah you know and, and as you know nicole um it should be avoided if they can and when you when you want to retain client relationships to to maintain that that goodwill and that transparency is is, is key and it helps if you get that right from the get-go yeah absolutely are there any other negotiation lessons that you've learned in your time in small business uh yes i would say in terms of the advice i can give lawyers who might be looking um to achieve a partnership position particularly if they're below partner is just make sure that you, you know yourself and you know your practice and you know your achievements and you're not afraid to point to them. Quite often, you know, law firms want to see a, a business case for lateral partners or, or internal partner candidates. Uh, we are talking about, you know, supervised fees and personal billings and your role in team billings and referral fees, etc. Um, while it's always a credit to your personality when you credit other people, when you have played an important role, Put your hand up and say, "I played an important role, yeah. and this is and and this is exactly why my role was important in achieving this outcome, or doing that good work for the client, or increasing revenue from client X to what it is now, etc., etc., etc." So sometimes, as lawyers, lawyers I, I see can can be too polite yeah. and a little bit too deferential in that regard. No, when it comes to putting yourself forward for a promotion, don't be too deferential, make sure that you highlight your strengths and you're not afraid to put it down on paper. That's great advice for anyone looking to move through. And I don't want to take up too much of our listeners' time, but I, I'm kind of wondering whether there's a bit of a gender balance on that as well. Again, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question or, or point you're, you're raising, Nicole. Yes, yes, there is. So I, I find that um, there are times when, when I have really good female candidates and they might be you know already established partners or just below partner level um there is more i guess of a, of a common thread a thread around female candidates to to sometimes look to to not talk about themselves as positively as what i see with male candidates yeah. i i have seen that trend and i think that um there have been times where some female candidates have been too conservative about their practice and their clients um because they just don't want to be seen to be selling themselves too much when quite often in similar situations, I've seen male candidates be, be much more bullish. So yeah, I do, I do think there has been a little bit of a, of, of a difference between the genders sometimes in, in that respect. Um, and I look back at on some of the, the, the best people and partners that I've worked with and, and helped to place, and a lot of them have been female partners. Um, mm. uh, Nicole, even though, as we know, less than 50%. Of partners are female, even though more than fifty percent of lawyers are female, which is yeah. not right. Which is absolutely not right. And so, I, I I have had to have those discussions more with female candidates than yeah. male candidates. Just saying, I reckon you're better than this. Um, come on, come on, please say it, please say it, because because it's true. I know you're worried about. Well, I don't want to overpromise, none to deliver. No, no, no. But look at your track record. You, you, you've delivered consistently. Delivered. Let's put this in. And so, yeah, I I, I think it's. Female candidates are, are, are becoming more 
willing to to get on the front foot there but i do think sometimes i see blokes who are who are more willing to do that and sometimes i've had to caution more blokes and female candidates in terms of well maybe hang on a little bit here um you are pretty good but you know if you promise <laughs> <laughs> just calibrate that a little <laughs> <laughs> that's that's right so no i have i have seen it but yeah. i'm starting i'm starting to see those disparities less it's good to hear that that is changing and you know i think once again it's conversations like this that help make that change happen so um i think that's great Fabulous conversation and loved hearing about some of the ideas for people negotiating partnerships and some of the other things that we've talked about. If somebody wanted to come and have a conversation with you about um, how to become a partner or what they might be able to do, um, or if a firm's looking to recruit and wanted to get in touch, how would they get in touch with you best? They can call me or email me, Nicole. So please feel free to have a look at at my website, um, www.lvhconsulting.com.au. My contact details um, uh, are all there and I just love meeting people. Uh, my best days are when I'm out of the office uh, and, and seeing as many people as I as I can. Uh, I love hearing people's stories and, and backgrounds, what, what their motivations are. Um, it's always good. There's no bad contact, there's no bad connection. So, you know, most of the people I speak to I'm not. I'm not trying to put them forward to any of my clients, and a lot of them are happy where they are. And I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even want to do that because if someone's happy, I don't try to move them. So um, it's just nice to have a wide circle of contacts and networks because you can help each other. And and a lot of the best relationships I have are informal relationships with people who are partners at non-client firms, and and we're friends, and we chat, and we share knowledge, and and we, and we help each other where we can. So so don't hesitate to get in contact with me um, if you're happy. Um, that's fine. I just like hearing people's stories and, and backgrounds and, and sharing knowledge. Fantastic. And I hope that somebody will come and uh, jump in and have a coffee. Um, I know we've, we've had some very interesting chat over coffee, so I'm sure that'd be a great opportunity. Thank you so much for appearing on the podcast today, Justin. It's been great chatting with you. Yeah, thank you for having me, Nicole. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed the conversation and, and I hope you can say something similar to Nicole. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Negotiation in Real Life podcast. If you've taken away some great tips from this episode, I'd love to hear about it. So please connect with me via my website or LinkedIn. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to learn more tips to improve your negotiations, head to our website, nicoledavidsonnegotiation.com.au, where you can follow my blog, view presentations and download resource sheets. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you get every episode as it comes out. If you have an interesting negotiation story that you'd like to share with my audience, head to the website and complete a guest application form. Until the next episode, happy negotiating.